So we're going to continue. This is our last message on unity. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit longer. I'm hoping I can get, I got a lot of stuff here. So I'm hoping I can get through it today. If not, I can figure it out another way. But there's just a lot, and, and it's, a, it's about unity, but it's more than that. It's about personal accountability. Um, and uh, I'm just, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting how we're going to walk through this together and what you take out of it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24, and let me read it for you. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in futility of their thinking. Now understand, in Scripture, anyone who is not, uh, they use this term uh, Gentiles, uh, just mean, basically meaning those who don't serve God. It's not a derogatory statement, and even though it may sound like it as, the, as it goes on, <laughs> they, they live in you know, futility of thinking. It's a different way that they express themselves. Let's just make sure we understand that. There are, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance. And ignorance in this particular setting is like they don't know. Okay, it's not a derogatory term, it just means they don't know. Uh, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, uh, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self. Remember that, put off your old self, uh, which is being corrupted in, by its deceitful desires. Be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. There's a lot of stuff in there to unpack. Uh, we're going to try and do as much as we can, but you know, once you've entered into a relationship with God, once you've entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, we have to figure out a way to live uh, in accordance to God's image as seen in Jesus, okay? Um, not our personal preferences, not what we think is right, but as far as what Jesus says. Um, the same God that calls us into this relationship with him wants to renew our minds, how we think, how we focus, what we think on. And this renewal means that we have to continually learn what it means to be Christ-like. Now, many people have been hurt by the church. Many people have been um, damaged and they don't want to go back to the church. And I understand why. I understand why. Because people in church, all of us here, we, we're, we're flawed, flawed creatures. We make mistakes. And we can only hope that the power of God is able to deal with us and still speak to people because we've gotten in the way. We've gotten in the way. We sometimes, I'm not going to say all the time, but a lot of times get in the way of the message of God because of our own personal opinions, because of our own feelings. Feelings, oh, I don't want to go on a tangent on feelings, but our feelings can be misplaced. I'm not saying your feelings are wrong. They just might be misplaced. That's uh, always fun to unpack that with someone. Anyway, so the scripture tells us how to continually learn to be Christ-like. tells us, this scripture tells us. And it says that we need to live a different way. Verses 17 and 19 talk about that. And Paul, the author of this particular letter to the Ephesians, he, he's, he's saying, don't live as those who don't believe in Jesus do. Again, it's a separation, but it's just saying, don't just run with anything that you think is okay. 
that way of life is characterized by foolishness, by bad choices, by darkness. Um, and we see it a lot, you know, even in Christians. They get caught up, and, they, and because they haven't been focusing on, on who Jesus is, and, and, and they get caught up in the world that they live in and the things that are going on in our world today and forget about you know, who Jesus is, and that takes him down a path. But we're called to live a different way. And in order to do that, it has to be constant. It has to be something we're doing all the time. It has to be intentional. Remember that word every time you wake up in the morning. What am I going to be intentional about today? It's, it's, that's a tough question in the morning. Do it before your coffee, I'm telling you right now. Do it then. Yeah, I know. The addiction is real. Do it anyways. N.T. Wright. Great author, love this guy, wrote a lot of stuff uh, during the pandemic, which is even amazing stuff. Really, really talked about loving others instead of worrying about your own, your own choices. He says that, that Paul wanted to see these other churches change their behavior, change their behavior, because things were seeping into the church. And, and the way of life that was happening around them all in society and, and, and you know, more about themselves, that mindset, um, was a destructive way of living. And we see it. We see it in people nowadays, in young people, because they're struggling with all sorts of stuff, uh, and they just they, because they have no answers, they can't figure it out. They go on a destructive path, and it just takes them down this road that can't be good. You, if, if you look online, you'll see all sorts of positive speakers, all sorts of those that are like, "Hey, if you want to succeed in life, do X, Y, and Z." But they all talk about the same thing. They all talk about focusing on a goal. Well, Scripture's been talking about that for a long time. That's not new. They all talk about being intentional. Loving others, putting others before yourself. The golden rule. The reason why the golden rule is stuck around so long is because Jesus said it. Love God and treat others the way you want to be treated. Pretty simple. Pretty easy. But it's not. Because guess what? Paul talks in the, in the letter to Romans about ego and our ego that we deal with. Yeah. So in other words, we get in the way of moving forward. We get in the way of helping others because of ourselves. And so uh, Paul is saying that, and N.T. Wright hits it right on the head. And N.T. Wright also talks about how you can't change a behavior, you know, whatever it is. You can't change that behavior if you don't change the mind. And Paul is saying they're being foolish. They're darkened with their understanding. They don't know. And they've turned to the side that's got their heart hardened. They don't want to hear anything. And I really hope as Christians, and, and even if you're not a Christian, that you'll be open to hear and listen to what other people are saying, to what's happening in their lives. And not judge, but, but just be there for them and love them, no matter what you agree or disagree with. And, and, and that's difficult in our day. It's difficult in our day because everyone goes, well, you know, they, they want to fight, and, 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 and Christians want to do it too, and, and, and we shouldn't be doing that. Now, again, there is a time and place for certain things, but what I'm saying is one-on-one -on -one with people, love them, care about them, no matter what is going on in their lives. And so this, this, this hardening of hearts is a way that will separate us from God. So we can even be affected by that. So how do we live a life that is different? Well, I mentioned it, I hinted on it. We need to be intentional about renewing our minds through what? Prayer, study of God's word through scripture, and fellowship with other believers. Listen, I'm telling you right now, there is no way you can walk this life alone 
Just let's take, let's take spirituality out of it. You cannot walk this life alone without a group of people supporting you and following the golden rule, following Jesus. I won't call it the golden rule anymore. We'll call it Jesus' commandment because that's what it was. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm, man, you can't do this life alone. And when you are trying to get closer to God, you can't do it alone. You can't. And no matter what is out there, no matter what you think, it's not possible to grow to your fullest potential and get to know Jesus if you're doing it by yourself. It's not going to happen. You have to be involved in some type of a life group. You have to with a group of people that you trust. Again, I'm not saying spill the beans on your whole entire life because that gets weird, right? People you trust, come around. Mm, you got to do it. Think about it. Think about it this week. I'm not going to bug you anymore. Life groups, do it. Um, we should constantly seek to grow in our understanding, and that's what life groups are all about. That, that's what's coming together. And, and, and it's kind of like this. Imagine you've been living in a dimly lit room. And in that room, you've conducted your whole life in that specific room. And then someone comes in one day, and they open up all the windows, all the blinds, everything's wide open, and it sheds light on everything that you've been sitting in. The dust. How many times you got to dust a week? Is it just my house? I don't know what's going on. And you see things that you were used to and you were comfortable with. But when you shed light on it, it illuminates all the issues in the room. And then you have to decide, well, what am I going to do about this? At first, that light is overwhelming. It's too bright. It's like, this is too much. What am I supposed to do with all this? But then you start to realize, we need to deal with this. And you know that, now I might be hitting on a nerve here, but you know that the status of your bedroom, tidy or messy, and again, trust me on this one, I do a lot of work for mental health. I do a lot of work for uh, resilient minds. The status of your bedroom or the status of your house is a direct correlation to your mental health. Chew on that for a little while. <laughs> your teenagers. Young adults. Whew. I'm just saying. Think about it for a minute. Our mindset matters. And so the number one thing that people will realize that when they get their room or their house in order, I don't, I'm not saying, now you don't have to be like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? But I'm saying get it in order. But the amount of people that do their bedroom, get their bedroom, get their house in order, changes everything else. You know what I've been doing for a very long time is every morning I make my bed because then I've accomplished one thing. You've probably seen the things online, but I was doing it before that. Make your bed. You've accomplished one thing today. People go, well, that's no big deal. Yeah, it is. Do you know how nice it is to walk into a bedroom and it looks lovely? It just makes you go, oh, this is nice. Get in, and then you can fall asleep. You're not worrying about everything. Anyway, think about it. Think about it. Mental health, clutter, all that. When the light comes in and shines everything, it, it, it when we allow Jesus to shine in our lives, 
he shows us things that we're dealing with that we need to deal with. He shows us the dust, the cobwebs, the hairballs floating around because you got a dog. He shows us all that. He shows us the things in our lives that we need to work on. Not, I don't believe that he's going to be like, okay, here's a list of 20 things. Let's get that done by the end of the week. Make your bed. Should be fine. That's not how it goes. It's a journey. It's not a weekend trip. It's a journey. We can no longer ignore the dust in the room, the cobwebs. We can't ignore them when the light is shone upon it. And that's what Jesus does. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. It shows us we're not perfect. And we're not. We must grow. Whether we're either growing towards God or we're growing away from him. We're not just floating in the middle. Once we've come to recognize it, then God can work on it with you. Not just say, well, God, I'm a mess, so figure it out. I don't know what you're going to do. But he's going to say, show me. Show me how to be a better person, how to treat people with respect, no matter what their background is, no matter what I believe. Help me. And there is a need for that transformation in our lives. And that's the second thing. There's a need for transformation. Paul reminds the people that he's sending this letter to, the Ephesians, that they have been taught all of this. They're called to put off their old self. And when, we, when Scripture talks about old self, it's the old way of thinking, which is selfish, which is ego, which is all about you. And renew your minds with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because renewal requires a complete transformation by the way we think and the way we act. Now again, it takes time and it's a journey. But how can we be transformed? How do we do this? Well, we must be willing to let go of those old things. How many have tried to get rid of a bad habit? Not easy, huh? Well, it's the same, same in your, in your uh, spiritual life. It's the same in your walk with God. It's difficult. It requires humility and willingness to admit the fact that we have some faults and we have some shortcomings. But if we don't want to admit it, we're going to struggle. We must be willing to ask forgiveness and turn away from anything that hinders our relationship with God. And God's going to work that through. Have you ever been at work and the bosses come in and they go, so, you know how we used to do things, the the procedures that we used to do? Have they ever come into you and say, we're not doing them that way anymore? We're upsetting the fruit basket. We're changing everything. You're going to learn a whole brand new way of doing something. How did you feel? You didn't like it. Some people are like, oh, I like change. No, you don't. Not really. Not when it's everything you know. And by the way, I want it all in your brain and on the computer by tomorrow morning. And it's changing everything. Everything the way you do it. A new system. You were comfortable, by the way, you did it before. Why can't I just continue to do it this way? You didn't even know there was a better way. You thought this was the best way. I'm just going to keep doing it this way because it works for me. It's called complacency, but that's okay. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when something comes in and says, we're going to make you more efficient, did you quit your job? When they came in and laid it out on the table and said, here's the new manual, um, there's a couple PowerPoints on the SharePoint, kind of read through those, and then I want this up and running by tomorrow or the next week. 
Did you quit your job? No, you didn't. I mean, if you did, you got, you got to deal with some other issues first, but you didn't quit your job. You stuck it out, and you grumbled and complained probably most of the way through it, and then as time went on, you figured it out. The new way slowed you down at first, did it not? It made it more difficult because you got to go, oh, I got to go here, I got to go there, I got to, ugh, and then you miss a step, you screw the whole thing up. It slowed you down. But if you stuck, which you would have to, with the new way, it would pay off eventually because it's a better system. You became more efficient. You became better at your job. But we don't like change. Humans don't like change. We don't like it. We just don't like it. Unless we thought of it. But most of the time, we don't like change. And Paul is warning the Ephesians in this letter. He's saying, there's a new way of living, and it's way better than the way the rest of society in the world is accustomed to living. They just don't know. Imagine... I don't know if you ever used to play with caterpillars on the ground. Did you ever do that? You pick them up and they'd crawl all over you, right? It's just a, it's a worm. It's a hairy, fuzzy worm, basically, right? That thing only knows to cruise around on plants, on its belly, chewing on leaves. And then one day, it, it transforms. Instead of just eating on its belly and crawling, one day it goes into a cocoon and it goes under this transformation and it's completely broken down and then it's rebuilt into this beautiful butterfly. Now you've heard this, this before, but think, put, put, wrap your mind around that. Now this butterfly has wings. This butterfly can fly. It doesn't just have to crawl around on the dirt. Having people, little kids come and play with them and throw them around. It can fly. And it's beautiful. And it's experienced a whole new different way of life. It had no idea existed before when it was crawling on the ground. This is the same. We're so comfortable with our old ways of thinking, our old ways of living. Man, as a fireman, if you bring any kind of new idea to the fire department to anyone who's been in as long as I have, my first response is, what was wrong with the way we did it before? It worked just fine. It's the first response. I'm obviously, I like, you know, to move forward. But there are times I'm like, oh, I just got down this new thing the other day, and now they're throwing another thing at me. We like it the same. We like the old ways. Man, you don't know how many people, when, <laughs> when, when I first started out, emails, I know I'm dating myself here, but emails came out. and they were, they, they <laughs> Back in the day, kids, we used to have to write a letter or talk face-to-face. Now you just throw off an email, and there it goes. But Back in the day, no one knew anything about email etiquette. I, at this particular time, was a 29-year-old volunteer captain in the fire department at that time and um, decided I was going to teach the old guys some email etiquette. And I sent the old boys. These are guys we call smoke eaters. I came in just as that was phasing out, so I'm a little bit of a smoke eater, but not as bad. Like, I used to not wear my mask as much. Now I wear it all the time. Michelle used to get mad at me when I'd come home from calls, and she'd say, did you wear your mask today? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, why is there soot all in your nose and on your face? I'm like, hmm, I don't know. 
It's because I didn't wear it. <laughs> but, we, but it's that age group. And so I sent them off a 25-page document on email etiquette. <laughs> because what was happening was, and people still do it now, it drives me crazy, but people, they, were, they were yelling in their email. You know what that means? It means the cap lock is on, and everything's in capital letters. And so I've helped guys with their resumes before on different things, and, and I got this one resume, it was all in caps, and he's like, hi, my name is, and this is what I'm applying for, and I'd like to do this, and my history of employment. I'm like, why are you yelling in your email? This is aggressive. He's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, it's all caps. You're yelling at me. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And that was not too long ago. <laughs> But prior to that, when I sent out the 25-page document, document on email etiquette, can you imagine my response? I can't really tell you all the words that were used to describe myself and what I was doing <laughs> because I'd probably lose my credentials and I wouldn't be a pastor anymore. But I was laughing so hard because I'm telling you right now, firemen, they are creative with the language, right? They, they were like poets. It's unbelievable. And I was just like, whoa, whoa. Wow, you're, you've passion about this, don't you? About me trying to help you. And so I went, okay, it doesn't matter anymore. Ignore email etiquette. <laughs> I just left it at that. We don't like change because it's difficult. But we need to be willing to let go of our old self to renew in the spirit of our minds. Like the butterfly who had to go this complete transformation, this experience in this new way of life. And I look at that as, as how, how we're still on the journey we're, in, we're, we're working our way there. And one day, you know, when we're home with Jesus, we'll get it. And hopefully we can, we can pass on some of that good stuff while we're down here. But we need to recognize there's a new life. And we need, thirdly, to live in accordance with God's image. The end goal of this is transformation. It's to put on the new self created in the likeness of God and the true righteousness and holiness of him. This new self is the reflection of God. And I don't know if we understand that. A re reflection of his image. Just like Jesus, as we see in him. And as we grow in this Christ-likeness, we become more unified with God. And then we become more unified with each other. You see, the one impacts the other. Just like the messy bedroom impacts right here. And I promise you, if you got a messy room, clean it up every day. Make sure it's clean and tidy. Make your bed. I promise you, you will see a difference over time. It's not an overnight thing, okay? None of this is overnight. Again, journey, transformation. Think about it. The cocoon effect. So how do we live according with God's image? Well, we pursue unity with him and with others. And, and, and as we're transformed, we become more unified with him and one another. And we, but, but we have to make this effort. We have to make it. It requires intentionality, effort to do something. You've never done anything without effort because if you do, it won't work. And we need to make every effort to be uh, to maintain that unity within the body of Christ and to love one another and seek the good of others. But this requires something. You know, everybody says, oh, there's no cost. Well, there is a cost of being a Christian, a believer. One is Jesus, well, Jesus paid the price. Yes, he did, no doubt. But guess what? 
it requires us putting aside our own interests. It requires us to put aside our own desires for the, for the, the, um, for the greater good, for the sake of the greater good. That's difficult to do. That's sacrificial. Wait a minute. I think there's a guy I know in Scripture who was sacrificial. And, uh, yeah, Jesus, he did it. So it's doable. It's doable. Putting aside our own interests and, the desi- and our desires for the sake of others and the greater good. Imagine a puzzle um, with various unique pieces. Have you ever done puzzles? Yeah, they're... They're intense. I, I applaud anyone who can do a puzzle, like the, the puzzle of a white cat or the puzzle of, a, of, a, of just a white cloud or whatever. Those, those are difficult. Every, everything fits in the way it's supposed to fit, but each, pit, each piece is different. It's different in design and in many cases it's different in color, in shape. But when all of these pieces come together, they make something amazing. They create this image that's greater than the sum of just that one piece, just that one tiny piece. When we pursue unity, when we pursue unity with our difference in abilities, our different gifts, our talents, we bring together this beautiful picture of the body of Christ, of God's love, of his grace. We complement one another and we work to, together for the greater good. And in that, we reflect the image. We're the peace. We reflect the image of God to the world around us. We have to come to that realization. As we seek to live in accordance to the image of God, we must continually renew our minds and be transformed by the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to do that work in us. It's going to help us live in a way that is pleasing to God and reflects His character, and that's all we want. Putting off our old self, putting on the new self, living a true life in the image of Him. But to live in according to His image it means we have to reflect the character and the nature of God in our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. We've seen a lot of people claiming to be Christians not reflecting that character in their actions over the past many years. We need to be a better example of that. And so, how do we do that? Well, I've got many different ways that we could do that, but I'm going to boil it down. I have seven different ways, but we don't have time for seven, so I'm going to give you three or four of them real quick. This is how you can practically apply this scripture of unity, showing the love of grace right now. You can do it. You walk out the door, you can do it right now. One, join a life group. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Commit regular time to prayer and Bible study. Sorry. Yes, that one. <laughs> you're, on, you're on, yeah, good job. <laughs> That's why we paid the big bucks up there, eh? <laughs> Commit to a regular time of prayer and Bible study. So personal. Personal. You, sitting down, doing it. Secondly, join a life group. <laughs> there it is. 
You need to join a light. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. You may have had a long day. I've been there. Long day. It's nothing to do with the life group. It has to do with the fact that it's a long day. And you're like, oh, I'm exhausted. You will be revitalized when you go. Trust me. You will. As busy as we all are, you need this. Make a priority. Intentionality. Pick one. There's some on the wall back there. Go on the website. Talk to us at the office. Go to the Connection Center. We'll figure it out. You can try different ones if you don't feel one's the right fit. And there's no judgment if somebody comes through and says, yeah, I don't know if it's the right fit for me. Well, find another one. That's okay. It's not a personal thing for us. It's a personal thing for you. Figure it out. Thirdly, thank you. identify areas in your life where you need transformation. And again, you're probably going, ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot of self-reflection. That's a lot of stuff I got to deal with. One, just pick one. Area. Do you need to be more gracious? Do you need more kind? Do you need to be more forgiving? Do you need to have a better attitude? Pick something and work with it until you are that. And then go to the next one. I promise you when you pick one thing, what will happen is you will start seeing it. It's almost like those algorithms on Facebook. If you say, uh, I don't know, fluffy cats, you're going to get a whole bunch of, oh boy, I just did it. You're going to get a whole bunch of fluffy cats coming up on your feeds very soon. Ah, why didn't I put that in my office? But you're going to get, that's going to happen. When you, or, or if you've, you're looking at buying a certain car and all you see is that car now everywhere you drive, that's, that's how it works. That's how your brain works. Pick something, stick to it, it will come. It will be pulled out of scripture because you are renewing your mind. You have to make some effort. But I promise you, you're not going to, and I know I'm going a little long, but you're not going to lose on this. Pick something and do it, but identify some areas. I think I have one more. Serve others. There's opportunities. There's opportunities in the church. There's opportunities on Sunday morning. There's opportunities when, with the lunch program. There's opportunities with everything. You can help out in so many different ways. Figure it out. When you serve others, that builds unity. You're doing it together. And I promise you, if you take any of these items and work on them in stages, it will change your life. Will you be offended by Christians? 100% guaranteed you will. 100%. Will you get offended by anybody, any, anytime, anywhere? Yeah, probably. I have had people try to offend me. They're really good at it really good at it, but I find it just the creative side that God has given them to be horribly poetic. <laughs> if you have a gift of offense, it's not actually a spiritual one. <laughs> it's an actual ego gift that you want to get rid of. We don't have to be offensive. We can be loving and kind. Love God. Love your neighbor. You're going to hear this love God, love your neighbor for me forever because it's scriptural and I can't get away from it. I, I've looked. It's there. It's everywhere. It's in the old. It's in the new. It's pepper sprayed through the whole thing. There's others, but let's work on these. Take some of these. I'm going to put some stuff out online this week just to remind you if you haven't written it down. Work on them. Find a life group. You can't do it alone. 
You can't do it alone. We can't be unified. We can't come together. We can't be um, attractive to other people for the gospel's sake. Not to fill seats, but for the gospel's sake, for Jesus Christ. We can't. And in order to move forward, we need to do it. And one of these things that, and the reason why I put it first, but it slipped, is a regular time of prayer and Bible study, we're going to be focusing on prayer a lot. In the next few weeks, we're going to be doing pre-service prayer in here, in the sanctuary. The band is going to do their little sound check beforehand, and about 20 to 10, you can come in here and pray. And here's here's what's going to, you're going to be like, well, no, really, we should be. Listen, you come here to pray not for yourself, for pre-service prayer. Pre-service prayer is not for you. Pre-service prayer is for you to pray for the church. Pray for our community. There will be things on the screen for you to follow so that you can focus your prayers on that instead of going, well, I've had a rough week. That is saved for after the service. Okay? So we are dealing with it balanced. Pray for others. Put others before yourself. That's why we're going to pray before the service. You don't need to pray for anything but other people. Not you. Others. And then, at the end of the service, there will be time for you to come up and have someone to pray with you on things you want to pray about. Could be about you, could be about your friends, could be all that, but that's the time for personal issues, personal stuff you want to walk through if you want to pray. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to pray and I'm going to officially end the service, but then I'm going to ask the band if they could come back up again. We're going to do some songs, uh, just some light, light worship while some people come up and pray with you. Okay? If you need prayer, you can do that. But let me end in prayer and then we'll do that. Okay? So band, if you would come forward, if I can find you, I don't know where they all are. Um, and then we're going, to, um, we're going to do that. Father, thank you for this day. Father, thank you that your word speaks to us to have a new way of life. Your, your, your word speaks to us that we put other people first. And Lord, as we move forward, let us think this way. Let us, let's be concerned about others. Father, as we go to a time of prayer, um, if those that have to leave, we, we bless them as they go. But for those that want to be here in a nice, quiet prayer setting, let us be focused on you. Let us be ready to do what you've asked us to do. As we go in our separate directions, keep everyone safe and bless them in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. God bless you. If you want to stay for prayer, you can. If not, I'm going to ask you just to head on out. I'll get you to all stand. Head on out. If you need to head out, that's fine. No one's judging, right? But if you want to stay for prayer, let's do it. I just ask that you don't make a lot of loud noises in here. If you are visiting, please take it outside or into the coffee room. Thank you. God bless.